0: Well good morning church I don't have to ask how you're doing. I know how you're doing Great testimony great praise and worship just awesome love it. love it. All right well so uh, let's get going with the word this morning. This morning I'm talking about I'm actually continuing the series I started five weeks ago about how to release uh, the power and authority, and then we spoke about how God released his power and authority through words, and how Jesus did it through words by speaking, and then how Jesus received all power and authority from the Father, um, and we said, well, if Jesus has it all, then somebody has none, okay? And then Jesus gave us his delegated power and authority. So it didn't come from us, came from him. Nothing that we have came from ourselves, all comes from the Lord, and we acknowledge Him for doing that. And we've, re- we've learned about that. And we've learned about how that we can speak out words, and these words release our power and authority. Also, understand that both Satan and God want access to your power and authority. God wants you to speak words of life to help others and yourself And Satan wants to manipulate your speech so that you hurt yourself and others by speaking negatively and speaking things that you really don't want to come to pass. But he tries to manipulate. And the question we have to ask ourselves is, to whom are we going to yield our speech? Who are we going to allow uh, to dominate and to take authority or take control over things that we say? Well, I've got one agreement already. Amen. <laughs> nice. So let's read a scripture we looked at last week in Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they who indulge in it shall eat the fruit of it for death or life. So it's, a, it's a, an amazing statement, and today for some of you, you know, it's, it's not new. This information I'm sharing is not new, but for others... Um, It might seem far-fetched, even, and, and a little strange, but I'm asking you, please, to listen with an open heart and open mind, because I believe God wants to change your life. He wants to change things in your life for the better. And this scripture tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we can speak life with our tongue, or we can speak death with our tongue. So words are very, very powerful things. In fact, I'd like to make this statement that everything on earth, everything on this planet is subject to words. Everything in this world subject to words. We could say it like this. Words actually control everything on this planet. Not only the written word through communication, but the spoken word. And more so now as we have social media with people are speaking on social media, a lot of what they say is very offensive. It can hurt you. Um, but then on the other hand, it can also help you. It can build you up. So words are very, very important. Make a, note, a mental note that everything that you say carries weight. So what does this mean to us in our everyday life? What does this mean? That life and death are on the power of our tongue. And that our words are controlling the world around us. What does this mean? Let's have a look at Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 2. You are taken captive, the word there is either snared or taken captive, by the words of your mouth. You are taken captive by your own words. Or you are snared by your words. When we put these two scriptures together, we could say this. Your words could kill you. Your words can kill you, or your words that you speak could bring life to you. Now, most people think, well, that would be up to God. That's not up to me. But we're going to show you today that God has, in fact, given you the ability to speak life into your life. He's given you this authority. He wants you to have it, and He wants you to exercise this. So, there's a little, f- a little phrase That you might want to remember you are hung by your tongue. All right? You can remember that one. You are hung by your tongue. All right? So what you say is going to come back to you. uh, It's going to snare you. In fact, you become enslaved to your words or you are released by your words. They can enslave you or they can release you. From whatever situation is. Now, I want you to know that what I'm going to be asking you to do today is not easy. And the reason it's not easy is because you're going to have to speak out something contrary to the way that you're feeling. When you're feeling sick, down, depressed, angry, worried, I'm going to be asking you to say something contrary to that. And it's going to be a very difficult thing for you to do. Don't think this is easy. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. Because you're going to have to overcome those emotions and those feelings that you've got in order to get yourself out of the situation. You're going to have to say something contrary to what you are feeling. But I want you to imagine just for a moment that this power and authority that God has given to us, delegated to us, that you could actually use that power and authority against yourself and your family. Just think about it just for a moment. Remember I said God wants access to it, and so does the devil. But just think about this. This is awesome power and authority God gave you. Phenomenal. And you can turn it and commit suicide with it. Killing yourself is suicide. You may not die instantly, but surely if you keep doing what you have been doing, you'll die a slow death. And I'm not necessarily talking about a physical death, but that would be included. So do not use this power and authority given by God to free others, to bring life and healing to others and turn the gun on yourself or on your own family members. How do you do that? Well, you might say things like, you know, I'm just sick and tired. I've had enough of you. I'm never going to understand you. You know, the kid's driving me crazy. Hmm? What about... Uh, I don't think we're ever going to get out of this debt. I'm just swimming in the debt. I just it's, it's too much. Or oh, oh yeah, my back is killing me. Or oh, my knees are killing me. Or oh, I need to sit down, my feet are killing me. Hmm I don't know what I'm going to do about this arthritis. it's just killing me. Pain is more than I can take. Well how you doing? I don't know. I'm just I'm so worried about. I you know I, I'm I'm a af- I'm afraid of dot dot dot. You can fill in the blanks. Okay. But we say these things and we don't really think they matter. We try, we're just expressing really how we feel, you know. Um, My mom used to say, your kids will be the death of me yet. She died when she was 54. So what are you saying about your life? What are you saying that's killing you that you're never going to get out of? You understand, you can never get out of what you say you can never get out of. You can never get out of it. Because you're saying you can never get out of it. Now, I'm not asking you to deny that you're in pain. But you don't have to talk about it all the time. You don't have to bring it up in every conversation. Okay? So, words, words about sickness words about marital complications, bad marriages, (laughs) words about defeat or poverty, failure or death, will bring those things to pass in your life. Proverbs told us that life and death are on the power of the tongue. So if we are talking about death, whether it's pain or whether it's defeat, whether it's poverty or something, then according to Proverbs, we're going to have that come to pass in our life. On the other hand, words about life, words about healing, words about deliverance, words about abundance, words about victory, words about long life are releasing God's plan and purpose in your life. My dad used to say, I'm going to live to be 100 and he passed away this week on Wednesday morning. And there's a discrepancy whether he was 97 or 99 this month in May. But for two years, it didn't matter. He had a good run, he had a good life. Um, he remarried after my mom died. She was 54. He remarried. And he was married 38 years to the second wife, had children and grandchildren. I should have actually changed his name to Abraham because he, he had two rounds at this, you know. But we know he's, he's with the Lord. The thing is this. He used to say, I'm going to live to be 100. Now, I'm not saying that because I looked at him at 90 and I said, I don't want to be 90 if that's what it looks like. Okay. I, w- I want to go home sooner than that. But uh, I-, I thank God that all I'm saying to you is this. These circumstances don't happen immediately. However, if you continue to speak them, they will eventually happen. And here's the thing. um, When you're in pain, the thought comes to you or may come to you that this is something more serious than just the pain. You get a, a headache and you go, Oh, I wonder if this is a growth. Yeah? You, you get a pain in your side and you go, Oh, I wonder if this is gallstones. In the meantime, it's just a stitch because you just walked around the house. <laughs> we, 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 tend, we, we tend to exaggerate stuff because the devil puts the thought in your mind that this is going to go somewhere you don't want to be it's going to a bad place. I want to put the lights down. I want to show you how powerful words are. Now, there was an experiment done with a water crystal. And different words were spoken over the water crystal. And I want to show you what happened. So could we have the first JPEG? The top left, heavy metal music was played. And that's what happened to the water crystal. The person said, you make me sick. I will kill you. That is what happened to it. When somebody said, thank you, spoke over the water crystal and said, thank you. Look at the sign that happened. And then when love and appreciation were spoken over the water crystal. Wow. Can you see a dramatic difference? Wow. Who would have thought that words could change water like that? I've got another one for you. So this is uh, music like Mozart's symphony. Or peace was spoken, or the word thank you, or the John Lennon's imagine. Again, the word love was spoken, I will kill you. Let's go to the next one. So look at these beautiful words. What happens when the word angel is spoken? And the word peace, and the word spirit, wow. and again, the words you disgust me. You notice there's a similarity to the, the, the words, what happened to that crystal when Ugly words are spoken. Look at the word you fool, what it did to it. And then amazing grace at the bottom. That's a nice one to look at. All right, this last one, I think. I think this is the fourth one. These are all beautiful words like compassion, thank you, wisdom, truth, joy, love, eternal harmony, peace, angel, hope. Do you get the picture? All right, thank you so much. Bring the lights up. So if that is happening when words are spoken to water, what is happening to your blood when you speak? What is happening to your brain when you speak? You think that the Bible doesn't know that words have this kind of power and effect? Yes, it does. So to speak words of hate, disgust, anger is causing so much problem, not only in your body, but in the person you're speaking to. Because that effect is going to happen in the cells of their body. I don't know if you know this, but you're 80% water. How many know that? And the rest is dust. You're just a mud ball. (laughs) And if you speak that over the 80% water that's in your body, what is going to happen to you? There's no way you're going to live in peace and in harmony and joy and fulfillment and have that going on in your life if you're speaking trash to those that you love in your home and to yourself. Please, I beg you, watch what you say. The Holy Spirit one time spoke to me and uh, he said to me, um, how would you like everything you say come to pass? And at first I was going, oh boy, I'd love that. And then I thought about how out of control my mouth is. And I thought I might not see the day out. (laughs) My kids might die before I get home. And then the Holy Spirit said, you could have that, but you'll never be able to complain or criticize or ask for sympathy again. See, when you're asking for sympathy, you don't want to get out of the situation. You want others to sympathize with you in the situation. You want others to climb in the hole with you. You're not asking for a handout. And most times when you're in the hole and someone offers you a handout, you argue with them. See, we, we have this in our home all the time. I'm sharing with Jackie the problems we, we're having, different things that are going on. And she just comes right out and starts prophesying to me. It's the future is great. It's going to be better than it's ever been. And, uh, you know, God is on the throne and God is doing stuff and it doesn't matter what's going on. You're going to get through this and God is going to do great things. And I go, can't you just be quiet and just listen to me complain? (laughs) Just zip it and listen. So, you know, I live with somebody who irritates me because they are always speaking positively and faith words. And I want to grovel a little in the discomfort and, and moan and a little bit. I want her to feel my pain a little. She doesn't want to feel my pain or know my pain, nothing about it. She's telling me what God is doing and what the word says and where we're going. Amen, girl. And don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. Well, she pulls me up by my bootstraps. So you're living with somebody like that, thank God for them, all right? Don't get on their case, because they're trying to lift you up. So let's read James chapter 3, verse 3. There's an interesting scripture here. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example, although they are so large, are driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals birds reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man but no man can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison i'd like to say that without god's help you can't okay with the tongue we praise our lord and father and with it we curse men you have been made in god who have been made in god's likeness out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers this should not be can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? The answer is no. My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives and a grapevine bear figs? The answer is no. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now, when the Bible says bridle here, you need to understand bridle means more than just con- control or to harness. As you see later on in the verse, it speaks about direction. So, a bridle is used, yes, in the mouth to control, but it's also used to give direction and to control speed of the horse. So, it's a very effective method of controlling a massive animal by bridling their tongue. So, three words to you this morning. bridle, your tongue. I was hoping you'd finish it, but you all bridled your tongue before you got it out. Bridle your tongue, bridle your tongue, which means you will control your direction that you're going in life through what you say. See, according to this, your words are actually setting the direction in which your life is going. The jockey or whoever's riding the horse Decides to turn the horse by putting pressure on the horse's mouth, on his tongue, and turns him. Make it go faster, slower. All of this simply by controlling the tongue. The same is true of the pilot of the ship. The rudder is a very small part of the ship, and yet it sends the ship in the direction the pilot decides to take it. So, your life will go in the direction that you, the pilot, decides to. To have your tongue work. You're the pilot. Your tongue is the rudder. The direction your life goes in. Will be who you lend your tongue to. And what you say. You can send your life. In any direction you want to. You see that? From what we've already looked at. You can do this. So we could conclude by saying. That our world is being controlled by our words. Yes? Yes? And hence the title of this morning's sermon, Your Words Are Controlling Your Life. See, you might want to write this down. Your words are either limiting you or lifting you. Your words are either limiting you or lifting you. James said, The tongue corrupts the whole person and sets the whole course of their life on fire. So if we conclude that our words are controlling our world, you might be going, well, what happened to God? Isn't God doing some kind of controlling? Well, what if I said he gave that control to you? In his authority, he delegated that control to you because he expected you to put his words In your mouth. He expected you to put his words on your lips. If you put his words on your lips, your life is going to go in the direction God would have wanted it. You follow? So God, just like with Adam and Eve, entrusts them with a decision. Don't eat of this fruit because this will happen. God is saying to you, don't speak these words because this will happen. So who do we have to blame then for our current condition if we are experiencing this lack and these issues, sickness and everything else that's going on? Who do we have to blame? Not God, because he passed that control onto us. Let's read what Jesus said about it. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 12, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found, out, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So you see, it's not wrong to talk to the plants in your garden. How many of you talk to the plants in your garden? See that? We talk to the trees, like the song says. Jesus spoke to the tree. And he said, nobody's going to eat fruit from you again. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. I want to ask you something. Does saying to this tree... May no one eat fruit from you again. Does that sound like a curse to you? Because it doesn't to me. But it is. You see, it's a use of words that will bring about death. In other words, sometimes we say things and we don't realize we're actually cursing our own victory. We may be saying things that in our mind are really not that bad. They're not that negative. All it meant, all Jesus said was, nobody's going to eat from you again. That's it. Nobody's going to eat from you again. <laughs> Would you think, you cursed me. Is that what you think? No. 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 So you see how detailed these and how powerful these words are. Now, in verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, when they noticed the tree was dead, have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. I want you to notice something here. Jesus said to them, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain. So in other words, what I'm about to say to you doesn't work for everybody because not everybody says it. But if you say it, you have to say it to the mountain. Jesus said, whoever says to the mountain, and some people, we go to God and we ask God, and that's okay. We can ask God. But Jesus didn't say, tell God about your mountain.'" He said, tell your mountain about God. Speak to the mountain and tell the mountain to be cast into the sea and then don't doubt in your heart. Now watch very, very carefully. He says, don't doubt in your heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he believes. Are you reading with me? Then you ought to have shouted out the correct answer doesn't say what he believes. It says whatever he says. So in this verse, Jesus says the word says three times. He says, Whoever says, one, to the mountain, be cast in the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says, will be done. He will have whatever he says. So Jesus is emphasizing, just as we've been looking in the Old Testament and other places, Jesus is emphasizing you're going to have what you say, and particularly if you believe it. But notice this. It didn't say if you believe what God said. It said if you believe what you said. Please, please notice that. It said if you believe what you said, you will have what you said if you believe what you said. some of you might not be getting this. But what I believe in my heart and I say with my mouth or speak with my mouth is going to be all that I receive from God or achieve in life. What I believe in my heart, say with my mouth, is all I'm going to receive. So when I say something concerning this cancer is going to kill me, or this will be the death of me, or my children don't love me, or I'm never going to get out of this debt, or surely I'm going to lose this job, or whenever the flu comes around, I get it first. Yeah? When you're speaking those things out and you believe it in your heart and you're saying it with your mouth, you're cursing your own fig tree. It's going to come back and bite you. I've got Jesus giving us this principle, and I have it in the Old Testament. Now, be very, very wary of this. If you are in an argument with somebody, and particularly either with your children or your spouse, and tempers get up and emotions rise, and you say something real loud, real loud, you're actually saying it with a lot of force and faith, and the chances are that that is going to come to pass very rapidly. When Jesus cast out demons and raised Lazarus and other people, the Bible said he said with a loud voice. That means he raised his voice, he wasn't whispering, and he said it with intent. And the problem is that when you get angry with somebody, you tend to raise your voice. And you tend to emphasize and you say it emphatically. I don't know how long this marriage is going to last. I don't love you anymore. You irritate me to death. How many times am I going to tell you to take the trash out? How many times am I going to tell you to clean your room? You're going to grow up and be a street person. You're going to be homeless one day. You say things in anger, and it comes out with this tremendous power. Let me give you a confirmation scripture, just you think that this is, might be the only scripture. Jesus said this in Matthew 17 and verse 20. He said, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, "Yes, the mountain again, move from here to there, and it will move. Now, there are going to be six words that you are not going to believe are in the Bible. And even if you read them, you're not going to believe them. Because Jesus said, nothing will be impossible for you. He didn't say nothing will be impossible for God, although there's other scriptures that says that all things are possible. But yet Jesus said, nothing will be impossible for you. If what happens? If you believe and you have faith and you speak to the mountain. Now your mountain doesn't necessarily, and I don't, he's talking about a physical mountain. He's talking about the mountain that is in your life or mountains that are in your life. What are you facing? What issues are in your life that actually appear to be mountains that you can't overcome? Jesus said there's a way to move that mountain. Speak to that problem. Speak to that mountain. Tell it to go. If it's sickness, speak directly to it. Whatever you, your element is, speak directly to it and just say, in the name of Jesus, I command you to get out of my body. If you're suffering financial difficulty, you can speak to that financial spirit, that poverty spirit, and you can say, in the name of Jesus, get out of my life. You can also call healing. You can say, healing, come to me. You can call financial blessing. You can speak to the mountain to get out, but you can also speak to the blessings to come because Jesus said if you believe in your heart what you say you're going to have. Now, again, this might be new to, to some of you. You might go, yeah, that's a little, that's a little big. F- I don't know if I believe that. Well, you just cursed your own fig tree. God is trying to help you Out of a situation that you're in, he's giving you the instructions and the principles from the word of God to change your life, to get to the place where God wants you to be, to live in the joy and the peace and the healing and everything else, abundance God wants you to have. So please, don't speak yourself out of it. Listen to this. The words you spoke yesterday created the life you're living today. I want to take a picture of that one. So you can speak, based on this, you can speak the future you desire for yourself into existence today. And that's what Jackie always does to me when I try and complain. She speaks out the future that we really desire. So you can speak out the future. In other words, your tomorrows are being created today. And all I say is this. Make plans for your tomorrow because you're going to live in it. Don't let them unfold by themselves. The quality of life that you, uh, that you want is determined by the quality of your words. Peter said this in 1 Peter 3:10. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue and his uh, his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech well what is deceitful speech does that just mean telling lies being deceitful i want to i believe that what he's saying here is that deceitful speech is speech that is contrary to the word of god remember jesus said he was the way the truth and the life and truth and grace came by jesus but jesus also prayed and said your word father is truth so the word of God is truth. So when we speak contrary to the word, it's called deceitful speech. When somebody speaks to you or tries to convince you that something in the Bible is not true, is deceitful speech. When someone says to you, no, nah, you don't have to get saved to go to heaven. It's deceitful speech. When someone says to you, no, the Holy Spirit is not for today. Deceitful speech. When someone says to you, the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. They passed away with the last apostle. Well, I'm here. (laughs) And God has got many apostles all over the world. So no, it didn't pass away. Holy Spirit didn't pass away. Holy Spirit didn't die. There's no scripture in the Bible that God took him back to heaven because it didn't work out. Or well, everybody got so smart, they didn't need him. Deceitful speech. So be careful of deceitful speech It's contrary to the word of God. You know, I think we'd all agree on this, that salvation is the most important thing that we can receive in this life. Amen? Free gift from God. But you know that God chose to make salvation available to whoever believes in their heart and then says with their mouth what they believe about Jesus. You cannot get born again, you cannot become a Christian until you say with your mouth what you believe in your heart about what Jesus did for you. You have to say, he is my savior he's the Christ, he's my Lord, he's my Redeemer, before he becomes that to you. And you know that when you say that statement, you're actually not saved. You get saved by saying that statement. You speak from a position of being unsaved, unrighteous, lost on your way to hell. Then you say, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe that he took my sin. I believe he rose from the dead. When I make those statements, I become a child of God. Those statements move me into the inheritance of the kingdom. Those statements move me from death to life. So, this principle of what I'm sharing with you this morning is one of the most powerful principles in the New Testament. This is what the scripture says in Romans 10 and verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you see how you get saved? You have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And then you have to say it with your mouth. It's not sufficient to say, I believe. See, the devil believes. Bible says so, and he trembles. You see, when we ask people, are you a believer, and they say, yes, I'm a believer, well, you could be talking to the devil. Do you understand? You're on the same level. There's no difference. So the person has to go beyond simply saying, I believe. They have to go and start saying, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe Jesus took my sin. I believe he was raised from the dead. It's the resurrection and the faith in the resurrection that changes you and brings about that born-again experience. Now, being saved is the first application of this principle in your life. Prior to this, you're just doing what the world does. The world has positive speech, positive mental outlook. The world speaks about manifestation. The world is speaking about things that they're trying to bring to pass. What was that a that couple of years ago? They, the, secret. the secret? Do you realize that all of that stuff is taken from the Bible, yeah. but it leaves God and Jesus out of it? Right. So it doesn't lead you to Christ. It leads you to self-fulfillment, where you try and apply the principles that I'm sharing with you today, without Christ, without the Spirit, without God. Trying to achieve what actually God purposed for your, in your life, but without God. That's the world's attempt to do it, right? right? They stole it from the scriptures. Yeah, yeah. Please understand, they stole it from the word of God, yeah. okay? If I had to ask you, uh, what is the flag of the LGBT? What is their flag? Rainbow. Where did they get it from? From, from, from Noah. Yeah. But before Noah had it, who had it there? God. The throne of God. If you read the book of Revelations, is a rainbow over the throne of God. See that? So now we have an organization, a a, a demonic organization trying to take God's stuff and make it their stuff. People, it's not new. That's what I'm telling you. It's not new. So do not confuse what I've been sharing with you and say, well, it sounds a lot like the world. No, the world sounds a lot like me. (laughs) They sound a lot like the Bible. All right? They sound a lot like what God told us to do. So. Any limitations that you're having are self-imposed. Because it's not the plan of God to limit you. It's the plan of God that all things be possible for you. And Jesus said it again. Nothing will be impossible for you. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to quit there. My time is up. We'll continue after Mother's Day. Mother's Day next Sunday. We're going to have a wonderful time. And then I'm going to continue... I'm going to take you another step further if you're interested to go further with this. We're trying to build something here. We're trying to build something for you um, so that you can, amen. We want you to walk in the blessings of God and have what God has, has for you. And we don't want the devil to keep you in darkness and keep you out of what God's plan is. All right? So that's the reason. We love Jesus. We love the Word of God. We love the Holy Spirit. But God has given us principles we need to, to uh, learn So we can apply them in our life, and we can actually walk in the blessings God wants for our life. Amen? Amen. And be the power God wants us to be. Amen? Amen. All right, let's have every hour closed. We're going to pray for you. Lord, we thank you that this word has gone forth into the lives, the hearts, and minds of everybody present, and those who are watching online. And Lord, as you emphasized this morning, salvation is the first usage of this principle of believing in your heart and saying with your mouth, and so, Lord, I, I'm just praying for any person in this audience this morning or those watching online who this morning would like to use this principle to become a born-again child of God because they already believe that Jesus is the Christ. They already believe that he was raised from the dead. And I'm asking, Lord, that this morning they'd have the courage to speak that out, to speak it out. So in this congregation this morning, I'm leading you in a little prayer. I know 99.99% of you already saved and love the Lord. But perhaps there's somebody who isn't. And then also for those online, pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I come to you this morning based on the word of God. I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me, Jesus. I believe Jesus is the Christ the Son of the living God, that He died for me on the cross, took my sin, and was raised from the dead. Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. I commit to serving you all the days of my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's have the lights up. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Thank you so much. All right, now if you need prayer for anything, I'm going to have the prayer team come up, the ministers, they'll be ministering with me. And if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to pray with you. If uh, you'd love to receive the Holy Spirit this morning, please avail yourself of this prayer. And if you want a, a ministry of healing to your physical body, this morning we will be speaking directly to that physical issue that's in your body. And according to what we've taught this morning, we will command that issue that mountain to leave in Jesus' name, and we will declare healing in your body. Is that okay for you? Amen. So if you want prayer, come on down. We're going to dismiss the rest of you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Walk in victory. I decree victory upon you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Say, I declare victory upon myself. All right, that's it. You can have what you say. All right. Those who want prayer, come on down.